Hi guys, I'm Chris. And I'm Mike, one of the two rap dorks. <laughs> yes, we are rap dorks, rap nerds. We've been called rap nerds, I think, now four times. I'm so proud of it. So proud twice of it. by twice by one person, and then <laughs> twice in the same text by uh, another famous. Like, oh, David's famous. He's a publisher. He's famous by a famous person. Dude, I embrace that title. I am all about it because I had a blast. I'm going to say this was my best lunch break in over a decade of being a teacher. This was this is my best lunch break I've ever had. Yeah. So if you don't know what we're talking about, you can go check out our emergency. You want to call it an emergency pod. The first time we had to do an emergency pod uh, on, on the, the spot where I, I figured out the, the clues and uh, Mike had called the, the title. We got the title reveal Oath of Loyalty. And I had to I had to talk to someone. Only one who I could talk to is Mike, obviously. So I called him at work. I was like, or I texted him. We have to talk. Luckily, you were on lunch. Uh, we recorded a, a mini session. We, we were, didn't have any of our equipment. So it's like, you know, low grade audio. But still, we, we had to get on this. And freaking David Brown tweeted it out like two rap nerds geeking out on this title. And and the uh, the plot summary reveal. Dude. And I hadn't seen it. You got to it like what thirty minutes after it was first posted by James yeah. and the Vince Flynn dot com crew. I hadn't seen anything about it. All I saw was your text saying you were right, and I lost my mind because I was so happy with that title. And then you guys got to to see. Well, our patrons could see. We released the first reaction video, but you guys can all hear the audio on our. Uh, most recent episode, I hadn't read that plot description yet because with the title reveal was a short two, three paragraphs of a plot description. I lost it, Chris. It was, I'm still going to say it. It's almost everything I could hope this next part of the enemy at the gate storyline goes to, but in a way that I would have never conceived. So it was what I wanted in essence, but of course, Kyle got so many of the details seemingly right. I, I can't remember being more pumped for a rap book. Yeah, and so the episode you're about to hear where we go into Kyle's Villains, we recorded this not last week, but two weeks ago. And you, you go into some of those things that Kyle, you know, is going to dive into in this next book. So you're going to hear us, you know, speculating what we want to see from the cooks um, in the future. And it everything we could want and more. I, I'm so stoked for this book. I I was really stoked for Enemy of the Gates, you know, uh, obviously I'm re always ready for a new rap book, but just reading this one, for some reason, I just have this, this jolt, this uh, jolt of energy, really wanting this. I need September to, September can't come fast enough. Right, right. Yeah. And, and I said it in one of our recordings, like I was jazzed for total power because it was a cool concept, right? but I didn't see how it related to where the character arcs were going. I was jazzed for Enemy at the Gates, but I was like, okay, like doesn't really relate to the total power stuff is it going to continue that this one is like holy cow it's absolutely going to deliver on the part two of enemy at the gates part one and that's something i think we was the hallmark of vince when he would have a multi-book arc it defines the series that that the storylines connect and bleed and the characters journeys continue we're gonna get it like it's happening 
And we don't have to wait long. We're going to get the cover reveal soon. You know, we love a cover on the Mitch Rap Pod. So we got the newsletter today or yesterday. It says cover reveal coming soon. Uh, and then there's a little tear in this box. I, um, is that, you know, the actual cover? You think you think that or are you just playing with it? I don't know. It's it, it, Obviously, this is an audio medium, so you don't you might not know what I'm talking about. But it's like a couple of lines blue lines and then one red line it kind of I'm, I'm thinking it's some sort of flag but it might not be i don't know i'm i'm super intrigued by this can't wait for the cover yeah can't wait to talk hope we can talk to kyle before the book comes out to see like you know where's where's his mind's at you know once he turns it in maybe yeah really 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 stoked for this book i, I don't know this little teaser of the cover is this what they're going to use yeah these black and uh, excuse me blue and red stripes with scarring like tear marks over them on a black background is it the flag are these the letters of a word is it spelling out loyalty it doesn't i don't know and they're really big the stripes are super big it looks like they would fill the entire cover the entire novel yeah the album yeah or is it a subversion is this a little teaser that actually has nothing to do with the the cover so James tweeted on the VinceFlynn.com social media official accounts, we're getting the cover this week. Oh, can't wait. Can't wait. I, I, we're going to have to touch base again, you know, get our first reactions on tape. So if you see it first, I see it first. I know what our first texts are going to be. I'll, I'll, I'll make sure I bring my uh, my microphone in my backpack this week so we, <laughs> yeah, we can have I'm some gonna, better audio. <laughs> I'm going to pack my microphone. <laughs> I'm going to be carrying my microphone and my laptop anywhere I go. Like, I'm going to the bathroom or going to Whole Foods to get some lunch. I'm just going to bring it with me to be ready on the spot. Instant reaction podcast ready. But that's not the only thing we had this week. We had a, a great hangout with some of our patrons, uh, yes. including a new patron that we got. Uh, it was really nice to, you know, engage with the community. Uh, unfortunately, we didn't have, um, I think we just had one clue. Um, we might add the second clue. I forget. Um we were talking about it and, you know, spit, spitballing some of our ideas with them. And uh, we got something special from that, did. Do you, do you want to share with the community what, what we got from that? This was a very special moment in the history of Mitch Rap Pod. This moment vindicated so much of the hard work we put in and the creativity that comes out of this podcast. To see that and the torch being carried by our, our listeners, our patrons. When Daryl said his thoughts on the first hangout can best be summed up in the form of a limerick. I was just so proud. I, I don't like what this president um, said. I, I don't like people egging you on, you know, uh, <laughs> you know, adding fuel to the fire of your your literary works. Uh, I don't know how to feel about that, but it was it was great to get it your way. Are you saying you want to start the hashtag stop the limerick movement? <laughs> Stop delivering. <laughs> no, I won't go that far. I won't go that far. Oh, man. Well, here's what no, Daryl wrote the, for Keep the limericks us. coming. Keep the limericks coming. All right. All right. We, we, we will. Daryl, this was awesome. I love it. I'm going to read it out. This was your limerick you shared with us. Today marks the beginning of my first patron hangout. I give to the main rap nerds, Chris and Mike, a huge shout out. Mitch, Scott, Irene are our faves. Action scenes we do crave. But it is Vince and Kyle's art that we tout. Now, limericks aren't really my thing, but it is to this party what I bring. Chris and Mike lead the show to tell us all about Mitch that they know. 
so we too can make it to spring. Boom, baby. Daryl, man, for that, we are hooking you up with the January patron giveaway. You earned this one, a copy of The Survivor, signed by Kyle Mills, coming at you. Thank you. Thanks for being a patron. Thanks for that limerick. Yes, yes. Thank you for that. And if you, too, would like to be a part of our next patron hangout, you know, to all of our patrons, you know, let us know um, when, if you want to come hang out. Um, but if you want to join this community, just go to our website, mitrapod.com, and you can uh, hit, hit was it, is it an orange button? Or do we get rid of the orange button? Support us on Patreon. You're always tweaking it. Yeah, just support us on Patreon. Although website is also being revamped for our season two launch, which we told the patrons about. We'll keep it under wraps for the general crew. But I would say in the next month or two, you'll certainly be hearing about what's next for Mitrap Pod. Can't wait. Can't really can't wait to share that to you guys. That's that, that'll be fun. Now, before we get there, though, what, Chris, are we bringing to the people today? Right. So I mentioned it briefly, but we today have the honor to cover Kyle's villains. We did a similar episode after we wrapped up all of Vince's um, novels, broke down all of his villains. So I thought it was only right to do it with uh, with Kyle's villains. And um, we sort of talked about all the ones that showed up in his books from The Survivor to um, Enemy at the Gates. And then we each gave our uh, a ranking. So yeah, we hope you enjoy this pod. And maybe you can hit us on Insta, social, Facebook, and let us know your top villains. Either Kyle's Fences or uh, all of them. Well, since, you know, Mike, we uh, finished all the books and we finished all of Kyle's books and we did this when we finished Vince's and I think it's only appropriate we do it for Kyle. We got to talk about villains. And so today we're going to break down from Kyle's how many books? One, two, three, four, five, six. Six? He's done six, right? Yeah. Six books. Six villains. Seven. Seven books with eight uh, seven on the books. way. With eight on the way. Sorry, sorry. I, I miscounted here. Um, yeah, and so we have... We're, you know, we're breaking it down between... Uh, we always talk about this big bad, big red, and the secondary villains. So I think it's going to be a fun conversation. And obviously at the end, we're going to give you each of our top fives we have. So Yeah. I'm very interested in looking for trends like that. How did Vince create a big bad and who were his secondary villains? Does a Kyle book have as many or the same quantity and quality of these big bads and secondary villains? What role does politics play in domestic enemies? And I think we're going to see some different trends between Vince's style and, and Kyle's craft. Definitely. definitely. But before we get there, you know what I like to do to kick off some of our podcasts? What would that be, Mike? I'd like to share with you my thoughts in the form of a limerick. An evil cast of characters, one might say, of whom Kyle crafted in the right way. Rickman and Nasser, Crouppen and, yes, Nash, sir. When they die, tis a bright day. That was a good one. Maybe not Mike Nash. I don't know if it was a good day when he died, but no, what, that was a good day so. when he died. But no, turn him into the villain. That was uh, pretty contentious. Will he? Will he crack our top five? Will he crack our top five? I don't think he's he's a main villain though. He's almost a a sympathetic, unfortunate 
vulnerable villain. So yeah, I'm I'm not gonna say big bad, but I mean we'll get there. We'll we'll go through all. What do you think? Should we go through all the books and just recap? Do a summary of who were the villains and who were the who was the big bad in in each book? Real quick. Yeah, yeah. I think let's do that. Let's do that. All right. So in the Survivor, we have a kind of controversial idea of big bad in Joe Rickman, even though he's dead. Um, his looming presence obviously is the big driver in this entire book. And I think we would have the secondary villains be Ahmed Taj, obviously, who has this big heel turn. You know, we don't really see him being, he's obviously in The Last Man, but becomes more of a player in, in The Survivor. We have uh, Akhtar Durrani. And then we have, obviously, Louis Gould is back. Right. And Senator Carl Ferris. So we can see, I, you could see here the, this is, you know, again, we said it at the time that this is the probably the Kyle's closest book to being like Vince. Yeah. So you could see how there's this, these, you know, big players, both obviously the one in the CIA, one in a foreign intelligence, a politician. You have another, you know, another assassin. So we got, we got some interesting players there. Definitely the closest to Vince's style. And one reason I'm going to say that is because of Carl Ferris. Yeah. He's not the biggest villain. He's in the background for most of the book because Ahmed Taj is pulling the strings. You know, it's very heavily centered on Pakistan and Pakistani politics. Ahmed Taj becomes a, a really key player. But what Carl Ferris is doing in the background to kind of hamper the U.S.'s efforts, get in the way of Mitch and Irene... I don't know if Kyle does that again. And of course, Carl Ferris was created by Vince. I think he, sure. he was in The Last Man, right? So Kyle kind of had to keep that storyline going. And the fork at the dinner party, like rap taking out a politician in that way. You know, he doesn't even help that woman. There was a woman at the dinner party caught up in the stampede. Ferris ignores her. It's like, rap, you got to help me. Rap stabs him. Like, Oh, my God. I love rap battling a domestic enemy. Let's call him. Call him what he is. I don't know if Kyle really keeps that theme going of the politician who's just a scumbag. He doesn't keep that going, but I think it does pop up every now and then. And I don't know if you want to jump around or go in order, but definitely in Lethal Agent, I would argue that Christine Barnett character, we begin yes. to, to see that again. Obviously, the big bad in Lethal Agent is... Syed Halabi, who was created by Vince, right? No, was created uh, by oh, it was created by Kyle because he's from no, yeah, it was, it was Kyle's yeah, from Enemy of the State, yeah, yes. So I would agree. I think Christine Barnett is the only other politician that I would say rises to the level of I was Vince approved the seal of approval from Vince or what he gave us with. With American politicians, the cooks maybe we'll see. Yeah, you wouldn't. You wouldn't world. say the cook. I was going to argue the cooks. Yeah, it's a new world with them, so I think it's just a little different. I don't know. Carl Ferris definitely had the Vince feel of a Hank Clark, Senator Rudin, some of these bozos. Christine Barnett definitely, I think, was headed that way. We just right. we just didn't see her again. And do you remember what we said on Vince's villains? I think to really rise to the level. Of a Hank Clark, 
you know, of these major players, you had to be in two or three books. You had to have right. a bit of an arc. The one-offs are really good and well-created, but I don't know if they rise to, like, legendary status of top villains. Yeah, and I think one of the problems with Barnett is that she was only in Lethal Agent, right? And But we've, we've said this multiple times. We think there was way more meat on the bone with her uh, that you could have had. Um, but unfortunately, she was killed off. So in order to kill, we have the emergence of Maxim Crouppen, but he's kind of like a secondary uh, villain in in that book. He sort of plays towards the back. I would say he's more of the big bad in Red War for right. most of the book until until the very end when you can make an argument that Sokolov and him sort of share time. I think the main villain in, in the story actually is like is a villain in in his own right for most of this book but ultimately becomes one of raps you know i don't know, I want to call him a colleague i guess he is a colleague not would you call grisha a friend uh, he, in the end yeah i would i would say colleague is the best word ally sure. maybe but i think yeah, at ally. times in in red war i think it rises to friendship yeah so Gr- grisha is the big bad in in order to kill you have some other players like uh, the General Sharani, who who is like leading ISIS, and then ISIS also just different players, you know, play a minor role in the background. And I feel like that was very similar to Vince. He would have like some of these players from different countries, Afghanistan, Iraq, whatever. You know who I think of there? General Zahir in The Last Man. That Afghani army general, but who was also former Taliban. Right, who right. was raking in the money from the U.S. I think Kyle brings up a couple of random ISIS leadership type guys who don't play a big role, but they create that type or that persona of someone running these organizations. They're not the main villain driving the plot, but they're in the universe, you know, doing doing some bad things. Right. Enemy of the state. I really like what Kyle does here because like you said, Maxime Krupin will definitely come back, but we take a break from him and the Russia storyline to go to the Saudis. The Prince, I think it's Faisal's nephew. Yeah. His nephew. Prince Talal bin Musaid. Yeah. King Faisal's nephew. His sister's son, I think. The Prince is getting involved with ISIS and and funding a lot of terrorism. But the main driver of the game is Ali Nasser, his intelligence chief. And I love how Kyle brings in another of Irene's colleagues, you know, someone on the level of Irene. Yeah, on the level. Not not equal in terms of, like, brilliance, but just equal in position. In position, yeah. Yeah, in their country. So Ali Nasser, an intelligence chief, giving me vibes of those Ben Friedman days back with Vince. And so Ali Nasser is a scary, calculating character because he's he's got the goods. He's got the resources of the Saudi royal family and the resources of the Saudi intelligence apparatus, who on paper is our ally. And so there's some level of, you know, collaboration there. But the fact of how deep he can go in his schemes, he even brings back Joel Wilson. Right. A disgraced FBI agent who he knows has a personal beef with rap for burying him in, in the North Dakota, you know, division. 
Ali Nasser, you know, gets in bed with him. But once you you are scared out of your wits by Ali Nasser, Kyle drops some breadcrumbs that he's not even the big bad. Right. Exactly. He is in the in the terms of the story, but he's a pawn in the bigger network of Saeed Halabi's ISIS. And I love having Halabi in the background of that book, knowing a storm's brewing when the terrorists can even control and freak out Ali Nasser, the head of a major country's intelligence services. Yeah, the, the work that Kyle does to build up Halabi in Enemy of the State makes it so much better when you go read Lethal Agent. So I read like Enemy of the State a long time ago, and then we did Lethal Agent as one of like our first books, right? Because we were wanted to sort of gear up for Total Power. So it hit so much harder when we went back and did that Enemy of the State pod, and I remembered everything from Lethal Agent. And it was just like, wow. You then understand the progression, and, and he's, he's set up perfectly for to be the big bad in Lethal Agent. Yeah. I think bringing in Joel Wilson it brings back vibes of those, you know, like a Stu Garrett. And yes. yeah, he's not a politician, but he's in the establishment, the government this bumbling idiot who's trying to, you know, there's, you know, there's been a couple of people, lower rung people at the CIA who's trying to, you know, mess with rap. I think at one point there was an inspector general. Um, yep. I should have brought up Vince's villains um, notes so we could, I could compare. I'll, I'll probably bring it up in a second. But yeah. You just, you know, sort of, we've seen this before and I, I, you know, it's another layer of sort of buffoonery to try to, you know, screw with rap. Yeah. So what do you think if the release of the books were flipped? If the Order to Kill storyline where Grisha is going after Scott and Rap hurts them, the end fight scene, Grisha versus Rap, who's better, and Maxime Krupin is pulling the strings, led into Red War where Krupin is dying, somehow he lost Grisha. I don't think the connection there would make sense, but at least the Russian storyline would have continued. And then it would have gone into, once you wrap that up, you have Krupin out of the way, you have Grisha essentially retiring. Then you go into the Saudi line of enemy at the state, the Saudi intelligence chief funding terrorism, ISIS resurgence, which would lead into the peak of Saeed Halabi's ISIS network in Lethal Agent. Honestly, that that would work perfectly. I, th- I think and you it could. goes to total power because ISIS was in bed with Power Station. Exactly. I honestly, that's a better way to order these books. I guess that's hindsight, twenty twenty. Yeah, he obviously had these stories both that he wanted to to tell, and one was working, the other one, what you know, just creative juices flowing. But honestly, you could even do your own, like, you know, we argue that you should start with Transfer of Power, not American Assassin, but you could even sort of update your own personal chronological order reading or, or order you want to read these books, and you could flip Enemy of the State and Red War, and I don't think you would miss anything. And honestly, it would it would flow better, because you would, you would get the Russia story, the only the only thing is like the whole, Grisha. the little bit of, the but oh, um, if, if you did a little... You could honestly rework the story and have, you'd have to, the end. Yeah. You'd have to work with the story at the end of Red War, 
he still owes Mitch one, so that's why he has to go and then do this enemy of the enemy state of thing, the state. you know, type thing. You'd have to in Red War, though, and this would be pretty thin. The only complication, you'd have to have a reason for Grisha to do a 180 and all of a sudden help rap. Right, exactly. Kill Krupin. At that point, he's he wants to get out, you know. Right. Uh, could just imagine Grisha fighting rap at the end of Order to Kill in the Saudi desert and the nuke goes off. And then next book, it's like, hey, you want to help me kill your president? Sure, let's do it. Let's go birdwatching <laughs> yeah, in the Russian countryside. That that doesn't work at all. So. so Some retooling, but at least you would have kept the Russia arc, the Krupin arc, and then you would have moved into almost it would feel like a three-book ISIS arc. Yeah, Saeed definitely. Halabi's ISIS in Enemy at the State running the Saudis in Lethal Agent getting the virus, and then in Total Power, what's left of his network working with an internal enemy power station. Yeah, we forgot to mention Sokolov and Pushkin, who are another, you know, Pushkin kind of like a, a, a Victor, a Chet Bramble type character, um, just another another operator in the system for a good foil point, for rap. Point. And then Sokolov, who, you know, we had our, our quips about what we didn't get from him and what I feel like we both wanted more, because I felt like he was playing up to be this, to eventually usurp, Krupen to be the big bad yeah. but in the end he, you know he sort of got ahead of himself dude can you imagine do you remember at the end of the red war pod when we wanted Sokolov to stay around and kind of be the one to influence Russian politics as the next big bad can you imagine Sokolov screwing with the American election with Christine Barnett and then when rap kills her Sokolov is like damn it we got to screw up America's democracy even more and Sokolov secretly is kind of working the cooks into power. Right. Or right. he's feeding Power Station a lot right. of the intel. Someone like a Sokolov who's really, really deep. Remember he was in his mansion like wargaming where the Russian troop movements are. He was like a philosopher king reading all these scientific articles. I feel like that's somebody who could really pull strings in the background and get and be smart enough to get away with it. Right. I agree. Two other people we get in Lethal Agent are this Carlos Esparza, who is the um down in Mexico. He's the you know, head of the cartel that Mitch has to Kingpin. Kingpin he has to go undercover with. He reminds me of well, I guess well, Gideon Alma reminds me of him from Enemy of the States. And I feel like we've seen What's the, uh, I tried, uh, I, I blocked this book, Executive Power. We saw in like the Philippines, there was a, there was a guy who was in charge. I guess he was in charge of the Filipino army, but um, he, he was giving me about sort of the, that kind of vibe. So what, I have the, I have it pulled up here. There's also someone in the Filipino army helping us, supporting Mitch getting into the camp too. I think we had both sides in that one. Yeah, yeah, true. I can't find it. And then Kevin Gray, who's the chief of staff of Christine Barnett. And in the end, he he's like playing along the whole time. But then he, at the end, he sort of turns on her and, you know, works against her. So mm-hmm. he like tries to be like Stu Garrett. But in the end, he does a complete 180. He was so like I don't know if he's quite a villain. Stu Garrett. Yeah, foe Stu Garrett. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, he was almost a villain by circumstance that his job was cutthroat politics of Washington. And he was damn good at it. And good at the social media 
you know, 21st century communications PR piece. But he, he saw when Christine Barnett was going so deep into it, risking breaking laws, ruining people's reputations, spinning a narrative that ultimately is good for her, but not good for America. Gray was questioning that. So, yeah, he was like a Stu Garrett light who had some moral compass in him. Exactly. Had a head, had a head moral compass. Right. He wanted to play hardball in Washington, but he wanted to do it in a way that respects the institutions, uh, you know, of government. So, yeah, he was, he was a pretty interesting character for being for playing such a minor role in just right. one book. In Total Power, we get Power Station, obviously, John Alton. Really interesting character. I mean, you were sort of down on him in terms of like, you felt like he didn't work, but... I, I like the, well, the one thing I do like about him is just it's it's something different. It, it was something we different we hadn't really seen before. I don't know. He he's not a politician. He's not involved with some sort of terror group. Completely out for himself. I don't know. I I guess he's like Hank. He's like Hank Clark if Hank Clark never was a senator. I guess if if you want it. like not in terms of stature, but like wanting to be what Hank Clark wanted to. He wanted the same things Hank Clark wanted. Yeah, I, I like the idea of trying something new. I, th- I guess, I just think... t- can you tell me why, what what you were down on him for? Not to rehash our, our, our total power pod, but... Right, it's been a while ago. Um, I think, so my favorite part about him was the psychology inside his brain in the committee hearing. Sure. When he's very combative with the senators and these watchdogs who are acting like they know what they're talking about. So I I will say perhaps the closest Kyle has come to a Vince Flynn committee hearing room was in total power with power station. So I loved that scene. I, I just think once we got from John Alton is a super nerd, very conceited megalomaniac, kind of got mental issues going on and we went to now he's an operator running this ISIS plot and commanding these ISIS dudes actually out in the field and trying to escape and the heartbeat monitor I thought I thought he actually took on too much where I think of Vince book and this is a theme I wanted to bring up to you at the end would have brought in a cast of characters that are believable. It would have been almost like a cabal of bad guys, each playing their own roles. Power Station just had a couple of ISIS dudes with him, whose only job literally was fire the gun and hit the substation. So I, I thought he ended up being, for, for what I thought would be very different, very edgy, different kind of character, he became one-dimensional. And he had to do everything. So he's kind of – he flatlined. And then even though he flatlined, he still had to do everything. He had to plan the escape route and he had to tell them which substations to hit. I saw him as the nerdy guy who can concoct the plan. If someone like – you know how the prince, uh, Talal bin Musaid, had Ali Nasser and Ali Nasser did the dirty work? If John Alton had somebody, an intern even, some – NSA person who went with him, defected with him, 
and 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 wanted to do the craziness with him. I feel like he just needed a sidekick, and it just ended up being flat that he was just doing everything on his own. So I, I liked bits and pieces of it. Just when the action took place, he he didn't sell me with the action. In the beginning, I thought he was smarter than he actually turned out to be. You know, because exactly. he yes. he came up with this plot. Yes, you know he has everything calculated. And then at the end, he just starts making really dumb mistakes. And maybe, maybe that's just Kyle showing that he's naive, um, you know, inexperienced. I do agree that if if there had been, like I think back to one of the good things about Executive Power was like the the David or the the, the Jabriel character, right? Exactly. If you know he was the one alongside Ben Friedman, right? Exactly. If you had some sort of dynamic like that, maybe someone in government. You know, that in, he was planning this with, and you could see like the sort of, I don't know, the disconnect between the two. And that's what's that that's what ultimately fall, comes to their downfall. Or if like yeah. Carol Barnett was controlling him, you know? <laughs> yeah, he needed some sort of connection to do what he did and implement it beyond just some ISIS guys. Like there was this right. Faisal and someone else. And the ISIS guys were literally just the muscle I didn't think Alton plus them was a great pairing to conduct this plot. I'll, I'll give you the counterpoint. I don't want to spoil anything, but Chris Howdy, author of Deep State, Savage Road, and now Insurrection Day. Chris, if you didn't read it, super awesome novella. Only like 100 pages or something. What and if I got to read it before chilled. we interview him. <laughs> yeah, we're going to have him on in just a few weeks uh, in February. What if Haley Chill was at January 6th? And, dude, great little novella side story to his his series. But he has – Chris Howdy in Savage Road has a plot involving techie stuff, NSA, and there's a, there's a tag team. There's someone on the inside. There's someone with power on the outside. And just the way he crafted that with this inside mole, if you will, uh, this outside influence, hiring that person, their relationship to pull off this plot, he's done so much better than Power Station, who was just on his own. Like maybe he, he tried finding Sonia. So here's a question. Sonia was a Russian mole. She was an right. illegal. Jed Jones was the podcaster kind of spewing some anti-government invective over over the airwaves would you say either of them are villains or secondary villains mm. sonia ends up helping but she was a mole i think they're very similar to the kevin gray character you know victims of their their uh villains circumstance. of circumstance yeah yeah i i think you know when thinking back about dynamic duos Obviously, we we have a lot from Vince's. So sorry if we keep comparing it to Vince's villains, but this is the Mitrap series, and he was the creator of it. So deal with it. <laughs> but uh, the Hakeem and Kareem duo, you know, you had yes, 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 someone who's blinded by ambition, someone who didn't really want it, but was sort of going along. Um, they were both like had intelligence in their own way. Kareem was super, you know, obviously he was. Bo- knew about our American ways and, and could blend in and could get anything. And Hakeem had, you know, the military skills and, and some sort of dynamic duel like that could have elevated. Not, not to say like you had to 
copy that, but if you had more, if Power Station had one more person to play with, or even like a, yes. a couple people to play with, you know, maybe that would have elevated that that villain. If there was somebody like a Christine Barnett in an election cycle who wanted to benefit from chaos, a Joker figure in the American government, feeding Power Station stuff, who knows why, like what the long game was, but who had some long game, that would have been so much cooler than Power Station being the be-all, end-all. And it would have been more Vince-like, I think, to have someone pulling strings. Yeah, because she wasn't, yeah, she was like a villain in Lethal Agent, but she wasn't perpetrating the 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 plot of the, the, the actual plot of um, the pandemic. Well, no, but she wanted to benefit from it. Yeah, she wasn't she, she wasn't trying to help it. And that's what almost drove Kevin Gray off the deep end was he tried to tell her as your chief of staff what you're saying is is basically taking advantage of Americans dying. Like right. you want to politically spin the hell out of tens of thousands if not millions of Americans dying. And he couldn't stand for that. Where Christine Barnett had no problem with that. That was right. her ticket to the Oval Office. So that perfectly sets up then in the next book, she's lost Kevin Gray. Maybe Power Station reaches out to her and has this idea. I, I don't know how you set it up, you know, but. Yeah, well, uh, she I, almost I mean, could I just, feel like uh, the the pandemic not hitting didn't give her that opportunity. Exactly. And she's like, wait, that would have been nice politically. I could have been a shoe in I could have been like the strong man after chaos. I could have been the one yelling and screaming in committee hearings about this should have been done. That should have been done. So then she thinks of the grid or or whatever, or, you know, just something to bring power station into play instead of him coming out of the blue. Right. Right. Yeah. That t- that tissue, that connective tissue from lethal agent to total power. Maybe I'm just sour that we never really saw the election cycle after lethal agent set us up so well for it. Maybe that's why I'm down on total power, but for another time. I think it's probably because there's just there's nothing connecting Lethal Agent to Total Power, and then there's really right. nothing connecting Total Power to Enemy of the Gates. So, which is right. something that we haven't really seen. That that's like the first time we've ever seen that. So, yeah, I I almost feel like Total Power is a standalone book. Maybe much more than anything in the series outside of Extreme Measures or Memorial Day. Yeah. It's such a standalone. All right, so the final book we got is Enemy at the Gates. We don't really have a big bad in this one, unless you want to call the cooks the big bad. But I I do think the jury is still out on them in terms of I can't quite give them a grade yet because their story arc is still evolving. Um, right. You know, maybe what, once we finish this three book arc, they'll, they'll be might be firmly implanted in the big bad in in the Hank Clark tier. Uh, we'll, right. You know, we'll, we'll see. You, could, I think the main villain of this is probably Mike Nash, who again is kind of a victim of circumstance. W- yeah. What would you say, Mike? Well, and then obviously you have Gideon Alma who plays a role as okay. a villain of the story, but that that's that he's again a pawn of the cooks and you know of of these people. So, right here, here's how I see it: the cooks 
could be rise to the level of a Hank Clark, or I would even say a Maxime Crouppen. Because right. I think what Kyle did with Crouppen is is up there, is up there with possibly uh, Hank Clark. Like he he holds his own as a villain there. I think the Cooks could get there too, but it's yet to be written. Is it half a book with them? Is it another three books with them? Is it five books with them? I I don't know. The way they want to transform the institution of the presidency and the branches of the American government could just totally really rewrite things. But it hasn't happened. We don't know how it will happen. So, yeah, I'm reserving judgment there. I would say Gideon Alma is the big bad in the sense of he's the the one physically causing the chaos and driving the plot. The Cook's doing so kind of psychologically, politically, but I think Gideon Alma is driving the carnage of what Rap, Scott, and crew have to deal with on the ground in Africa. So I would say Gideon Alma is there, and I would liken him to, actually, I'm going to go so far, I'm going to liken him to Rafik Aziz, who, who I think was my favorite of Vince's villains, if I recall. I think I gave him the top spot. No, you did not. I have it pulled up here. Hank, I gave Hank Clark? We both had we both had Clark and Gould as our one and two, but we had them flopped. Gould. I had I had uh, gotcha. Clark as number two and Gould as number one. You had Gould as number two, Clark as number one. But you had Aziz? Aziz as number three. I had Aziz as three. Okay, okay, okay. I had Aziz as four. I remember saying now I had to give it to Hank Clark because the politician scenes and the politician sleaziness was so important to Vince that I had to make that my number. Yeah, one. and Louis Gold is just like the most iconic villain classic, in the entire right. series. Like right. you He's had to classic. give it to him. I think Aziz could have risen to that if we had seen him in More. the next book after Killshot, you know, because right. we got like the hint of him and obviously there's there's this backstory between him and Mitch, you know, the scar that we never found out about. So Yeah. There's more. That's why I had him so low. I I had Rickman as number three. Um, All right. And it it kind of was unfair because we didn't yet talk about the survivor, and he's more of a villain in the survivor, even though he's dead. There's a question I want to pose to you once we actually get to our rankings because it's kind of hard to some of these characters bleed between Vince and Kyle, and I want to know where you stand on how how we can rank that. It's true. It's true. All right. Before we get there, though, just to wrap up Gideon Alma, I was saying he's kind of like an Aziz in that he causes the chaos, he causes the carnage, and he just demonstrates this terror in society, how Aziz is driven by hating America so much he turns to extremism. Gideon Alma, so interested in control, he's willing to basically toss away the lives of his fellow countrymen use and abuse them, discard them. I feel like the way they both discard life and the way they both drive the plot in terms of its actual physical violence and chaos, I like how Gideon Alma, how he does that. And Kyle's bringing into the series something we've never seen before. Basically, well, maybe an enemy of the state a little bit, but these African warlords these child soldiers, the drugs being used, right? 
I just think that brings up a lot of real world issues that rap never dealt with. But if you want to talk about making the world the place it should be and America's ideals and values in the world, you've got to start with the tens of millions of people in bondage to guys like Gideon Alma in these developing nations. I think what bumps Alma down is the fact that he gets taken out like halfway through the book and becomes Rap's pawn and then Rap uses him. Yeah, that was weird. In the first half, he's a very gripping character and is very terrifying. But then once he's sort of, you know, captured, you you see it's all like a, a fraud. And, and yeah. I, I guess it doesn't like, I shouldn't hold that against him because that that is, he, he's a showman. He, he builds it up. But yeah, that's what bumps him down sort of out of my top five, just to spoil it yeah. a little bit. But All right, so that's that's the villains. Any Any like sort of overarching themes, any sort of, comments about Kyle's villains that you wanted to get out before we give our ratings? Yeah, I think we said it along the way. So I do want to hear your take on it. The two trends that I notice is that Kyle does some things really well. He can have an idea of this part of reality. I want to represent in this character. But it almost makes the books feel too small. As in, that's the single narrative they're going for. Oh, this person represents this thing that causes this rift. Rap's got to deal with it. Where I think what Vince did was not say, this one thing causes this rift. But here's the texture. Here's the layout of the operating theater, of the environment, which was multifaceted. You know, it was guys on the ground who were going to stab you in the back. It was the enemy. It was the politicians. It was the financiers. You had this network, this collaborative network of bad guys, some who thought they were doing the right thing, and those were the circumstances rap was put into. So I think Vince's world was much more complex and nuanced, where Kyle's world is kind of leading. This guy represents this thing. Rap's got to fight it. What do you think about that? Mm, I would agree with that. The one thing I do like about Kyle's villains, I, well, there's a lot I like about Kyle's villains, but one of the things I, I find is that he he liked to try new things. You know, Vince often just had these Middle Eastern villains, which Kyle has as well, and I, he never really touched. I, I like how Kyle's touching Africa and bring going, taking us to Africa, taking us to Russia. You know, we're seeing players from all over the world. I guess we, we had Israel come in, come into play, but again, in, in, in the Middle East player. So I like the variety that we see. And now we're getting more, you know, we're seeing these at-home domestic, which, again, Vince showed with the politicians the whole way through. But yeah, I, I don't know. I guess the, the idea of going to Russia, because that's important. I, obviously, Kyle had to move away from the Taliban into ISIS I think we asked him on when we had him on if you had ever think about like bringing in the Chinese because I feel like that's an untapped area to yeah. to bring in. Obviously, a, a direct adversary of the United States. So, or even like a North Korea, you know. Right. Rising Tiger. Look at what Brad Thor is going to do. It seems from that title and the cover art, China's going to going to come up finally in exactly. a thriller. Yeah, I don't know how we ignore the South China Sea, the Spratly Islands. 
the Uyghur genocide, exactly. uh, the Tibetan Buddhist, uh, the Himalaya mountains and water claims in Kashmir, India, Pakistan, China. Like, I don't know how all of that is untapped for a geopolitical thriller. If it, if Taiwan. It, like, it, we're not Disney here. We're not worried about like, uh, you know, the Sales. commercial market in, in China. So let's let's just do it. Let's get it over with. I don't know how thrillers are selling to that audience in the first place, you know, so. No, they're not. They're not. Exactly. So it, it, who cares? Let's, let, you know, bring them in. Do it. Yeah, go after them. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah, so I think those are my themes. I'll agree with you uh, 100%. Vince did have a formula. Vince relied on the formula. Yeah. But damn, man, did he do that formula well. <laughs> yeah, I, I agree with that. I agree with that. You're right, though. I, I hear you on that. All right, so rapid-fire questions uh, for you, Mike. Which villain do you most want back? Oh. Back as in they're still alive in the universe and could come back, or just even though they're dead, I would like to see them again. You, know. you, you can take it either way. I'd like to see Saeed Halabi, except he already rose from the ashes once, in a sense. <laughs> right, uh, right. So that's played out. I think I'd like to see Ali Nasser, another intelligence chief somehow brought in, who can who thinks they could play Irene for a hot second, might seem to have the upper hand on Irene. But mm-mm. you're not going to get a beat on Irene. I, I think I like I like that to be recovered. So Anali Nasser, I think that's what I'm going with. Who would you say? Yeah, I guess the problem with, uh, and I, I guess I, I go through Vince's villains, but most of these villains die. Um, where I guess that wasn't always the case in, because they would pop back up again, like like Gould. But I guess no, Vince did the same. Um, I don't like. I guess the what I would say is Christine Barnett, but she's dead. But like I think, yeah, I would have liked to seen her again as a villain. Any interest in Joel Wilson? Because I don't think I don't think he gets killed. No, I, I don't think he gets killed. Does he get killed? I don't remember. What does Nasser do with him? Oh, 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 oh no, no. He he turns. No, Rap he, gives him the he, intelligence. Exactly, exactly. He's Let's now him on the loose on, in the on desert. The side. He goes to Irene, wants to play nice. He could still be in the FBI. He could. He could. And and, and Irene would have a trump card on him to use him. We could see him come back. He, yo, he could be bred to be like the next director or something. Or does she hire him in the CIA? She thought about it. I think she wants to use him as an asset, but. He could be used. I mean, speaking of, we we talked about her a little bit, but would you do you want to see Sonya come back? Not as a villain, but just do you want to see her come back? Yeah, very much so. We know Scott was dreaming about her last book. Exactly, exactly. He was dreaming about riding tractors with her. We need more than like that. We need more than that. Yeah, I like. I like to see her come back. Yeah, I think I'd I'd be fine seeing her come back in a just a partner role, living in Manassas. Mm-hmm. But I wouldn't mind because of her skills, staying undercover for this long. In an operational role as well. Right. Yeah. Who do you think was the smartest villain? Oh, good question. I mean, it jumped out to me. I think I have to go Catherine Cook. Even though she's so recent, 
her and and Anthony Cook with their plan to take over America and exploit the divisions in society, it is actually pretty bright. Sokolov, though, I would say maybe most intelligent or academic villain. Like he had the chops. I was going to go Halabi. I was going to go Halabi because yeah, we see how he has like these spies everywhere, you know, in right. various governments in Saudi Arabia, you know, planted everywhere. And then, you know, we see him get off, you know, almost execute this plot. But yeah, I, 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 Catherine Cook is a, is, is up there with being intelligent. It's, it's so hard to talk about the cooks. We'll see. I guess we'll have to see. We, yeah, we, we just got a taste of them. You know, we, we just got right. like our little, little introduction of them. And my guess is, where he's planning on having a big role for them in the next two books. Yeah. I'm with you, Halabi. I'll, that's a good choice. Good questions, man. I really like those. All right, last one. Last one here. Um, what's the best kill of a villain? Ooh. What wraps, wraps best villain kill? Ooh. All right, let's see. I'm going gonna, gonna to have to think back on some of these. Louis, okay, well, Louis Gould is a great kill, but it's Stan. Right. Okay, that's going back way to the Survivor. Crouppen, kind of a letdown, how he goes. Carl Ferris is actually not killed with the fork in the thigh. No, he's, he's not killed. That'd be interesting to hear if he's still chatting up in, in Congress what his plans are for retirement. Ali Nasser, what happens to him? And the prince. Oh, the prince is the nightclub shootout. Okay, that that was a pretty cool scene. That was a pretty cool scene. When Rap dumps his body. But Rap doesn't kill him. The the guy's chasing him. He's already shot. He's already shot. He's already shot. He bleeds out. Rap just pushes him out the door, leaves him on the side of the road. Halabi. What happens in Lethal Agent? Does he get the disease? You know, I can't remember that. I know, Crows. So Christine Barnett, he shows up to her apartment and right. gives her pills and says, "You Toss have her the two pills. options to take." Makes her OD. Yep. Power station. He takes and takes Jed, Jed Jones. Jones out and shoots power station in the woods. That was kind of uh, cool. That was kind of cool. Uh, Gideon Alma's death is pretty cool, which is similar to Sokolov's death, but it, it, I think it's way cooler than Sokolov's death in terms of I like. Agree. The people he was punishing had under his power, you know, sort of carry him away and, and tear him limb by limb apart. That's revenge. No, not yes. revenge. What's the word Rap says in an earlier book? It's not revenge. It's... Retribution? Retribution. Yep, there it is. How does Ali Nasser die? How does Ali Those Nasser die? Those are great die? kills. That's a good... How does he kill the drug guy in the cartel? The house oh, is show- burning down. He shows up at the house. He shows up at the house. He talks to him. The house is burning. And then he, he shoots him. Does he just shoot him there? Because he, he took out all, all of his guards. Yes. And it's like raining. That was a cool kill. That was a cool scene. I still don't remember Ali Nasser. He gets taken by Halabi. Oh, Rap goes oh, into he, the cave. Yeah, Rap, Rap kills him at the end of the cave. Yeah. That's, that's Throws the is. grenade. Kills him, but makes the cave implode. Rap barely gets out. Right. Oh, and Joe Maslick comes to save Rap. That's Joe Maslick comes to that save That was a cool cave kill. And then we later learn, two books later, Halabi survived it. Right. 
let me just pull up uh let me just pull up lethal agent how oh no sorry i, I was wrong rap kidnaps carlos esparza tortures him in 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 the van because he's trying to figure out like where the people are and that's how he ends up like just bleeding out and dying in the car he just bleeds out being interrogated yep lethal agent was so long ago when we read it for being a recent of the books it just feels like ages ago because since then we've read more than half the series because we did that one early on scott has to go and kill halabi remember so it's not a rap kill because Mitch is in the, the hospital. In the hospital. Quarantine. He's in Fort Diedrich Hospital. Yeah. Oh, and Scott holds up the picture. Yes. Yes. Oh, dude. That's epic. That was cool. It's not technically a rap kill, but that was pretty cool. Dude, that counts. Because actually, Scott says this one was for you. He says it's from Mitch. Yo, that's that's homie got your back. All right. So if, if we had to create our Sinister Six, and we can tap into Vince's all, all of the villains. Oh, dude. Ooh. Okay. Right, before we get to that, let's give our Kyle, because it, it right, kind of like, they're, 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 they're going to be like sort of related to both of our top fives, right? What What do you think if we give our top fives and then we make our Sinister Six a little rap on rap, something for the patrons? Yeah, that sounds good. Sounds good to me. I like it. All I right. Like so it. let's let's give our, our top fives now. Okay. Of Kyle's villains. Of Kyle's villains. Yep. All right, let's start low down the list. Let's each give our number five. All right, so number five for me, uh, I had Power Station there, even though we we just, you know, shat on him a little bit. So let me just give you the reason why I put him there. His plot and the execution of the plot, and he actually gets it off. He just didn't have the backup plan, you know, the, the way to get out and survive himself. The He's super smart. He, you know, they hire him to protect the power grid because he's, you know, he's the only one that knows about the power grid. And then he uses that to his advantage and gets it off. So from pure intelligence and execution of plot and the complexity of the plot, that's why I I had to bring him into, into number five. Okay. I'm going to go Gideon Alma. Okay. Okay. I liked what he did. I liked how he was crafted. I liked that it was something different. Pretty good villain. I don't, he's not going to crack the top three. So okay. I'll give him the five spot, possibly a four spot. Who's next? All right. So for me, it's Ali Nasser. Okay. I, we saw how he wanted, he wanted the kingship. He, he wanted to take down King Faisal. He had a great plan indebted himself to Halabi. He's not higher on the list because I think Halabi is a better villain than him. But for that book, uh, you know, he was, I don't know, I really, really engaging, really scary, big player. I don't know. That's that's why I have a number four. Okay. I'm going to go with Carlos Esparza. Okay. In the four spot, I like the lethal agent. And I love the conversation when Rap comes into his house with his maid, sits down, orders breakfast, and gets the upper hand on him. That conversation of how Carlos is going to use Rap and test Rap and put him through the ringer to make sure he can 
not trust them, but at least rely on them. So, yeah, I like the the drug cartels. Carlos Sparza, number four. All right, so I have a question here. I should have asked you before we started. Can we really include the survivor? <sighs> Good question. Because it would kind of affect how I give you my next three. Because, you know, Joe Rickman, I had him in my top five of, of Vince's villains. and may, may, Maybe that rules him out. I'm going to say no. Yeah. I'm saying we got to rule out Rickman. Not only because he's dead at that point, but we already discussed him in Vince's villains. And the videos he left, while pretty cool, were still the Rickman that Vince made. Even though Kyle wrote the scenes of what he said in the videos, it was Vince's character. Okay. Okay. So I don't know. How do you feel about that? No, I, I agree with that. I agree with that. All right. So for number three, I'm going to go Barnett. Yeah. You know, we, we mentioned that we, I, I would love to see more of her. I think she's was, was a very powerful politician. I think there was a, some meat left on the bone there, but what she was sort of angling at, I, I really liked, and I thought it called back to some other politicians and maybe the cooks will get to there, but we'll see. Yeah, I, I'm putting Barnett there as well. I wanted to move her possibly into the second, but she just didn't have the room to breathe. She was in and out one book. Could have been more. Could have been Hank Clark-esque. Could have become what the cooks are about to become. You know, if we saw her downfall and she would have become the cooks. She could have totally turned into a sinister Hank Clark, gone down that path, but she got cut short. We didn't even get to see her election cycle. So third spot. Yep. All right. So number two, I'm putting Maxim Krupin as the villain, but he's elevated by also the presence of Grisha, even though we kind of said Grisha's not a villain in the end. But for that one book in Order to Kill, he, he is the villain and he, you know, almost kills Scott and has a pretty intense fight with rap at the end there you know almost almost kills him but i think like that because crouppen was the mastermind built him from a child or not a child but from when he was an athlete you know recruited him groomed him so i think like the presence of grisha and the character of grisha as that villain elevates crouppen as as this mastermind villain and then we see the downfall of him and, and his psychosis in red war I don't know, but the, just the, those two books, I, I really liked Groupin. I think besides my number one, um, who we're going to get to next, like this is the best, you know, sort of big bad mastermind that, that Kyle has come up with. Yep. I think we're headed the same path for number one because we saved this name. Yeah, my number two, one, two, and three, we, we're on the same page. Although I was going to be slightly different, not thinking Grisha as a villain. Although, you're totally right. Order to Kill. He's a top, top villain going after Scott. If For half of that book, he was a killer villain. I put Krupin slash Sokolov. Okay. Almost as co-dictators. Right. Because Sokolov was cut short, only in like what, a third or two thirds of a book, Red War. I didn't want to give him a whole slot. So I would say the, the Krupin, and forgive me if this is... Stretching the edges. 
Krupin, Sokolov, Grisha, the Russian combo, the Russian triple threat. That's my spot number two. Yeah, no, I think it's it's sort of similar to my point with Grisha. It's Krupin thought to bring in Sokolov, so it elevates, you know, Krupin as this mastermind. Right. And so I guess number one, number one, we have Halabi. Saeed Halabi. There it is. Yeah, you know, just his, what, you know, what what I said about Ali Nasser and how sort of villainous he was, but you you saw this other threat coming up by the end of the book. And by the end, Halabi is really the big bad in that story. And then he has his own, you know, full arc in uh, Lethal Agent. And, you know, we love that book. I love that story. Um, and he, he he's so close to getting, you know, he, he infects rap, you know, like, Rap is on, you know, we never thought Rap was going to die, but just the fact that Rap was like put to the test. Um, I think all the, so just going back to Power Station, the fact that he, I, I don't know if I said this, but the fact that he gets the, you know, the attack off, which is something we don't often see. Mm-hmm. We, we've made, we mainly, I think we saw it once with uh, with Vince where the attack actually happened and we then we had to see the, the fallout. But it's always like Mitch getting to the very end and, and oh, he stops it in just the nick of time. But yeah, so but again with Halabi, he's he's almost there. He almost has it, and it's you know so that he's he's got to be number one. I would put the cooks. The cooks could be here. So they I didn't. Could, I, right. I I naturally didn't. So the, I guess that's the problem. Is some people might. Well, why don't you have the hook cooks? Like they're they're the, they're going to be these players. But I feel like I can't even. You have Gudiyama. Like he would be the only one that you could put in this list from that book, because the the cook storyline yeah. is not is not done yet. You know, not if, there yet. come back to us after the next book, that might change, you know? Right. We could tell they want to take down rap. They want to slam Irene Kennedy. They just haven't found the way to do it tactfully yet. Right. So there's no way they've risen to that level because they just haven't taken out rap and Kennedy yet or attempted to. They will. They're going to gut them. They're going to try to gut her CIA. But how and why, and and the details, we don't know yet, so. I gotta cheat again. I forgot Ali Nasser for loving him, so I'm going to this Halabi Ali Nasser tag team in order to kill as my number one spot. I wanted to include him because I really liked what he did. He probably would have been my three or four if I could rearrange this, Uh, but since I missed him, I'll group him in with Halabi. I think forgetting order to kill, excuse me, enemy of the state, enemy of the state, Forgetting much about it, and then rereading it and loving it, Halabi makes that a better book, and Enemy of the State makes Halabi a better villain by setting him up for Lethal Agent. Exactly, exactly. So he makes the book better, so he makes Ali Nasser's character better, and having him in Enemy of the State, knowing how he's rebuilding the ISIS network or building up the ISIS network makes lethal agent better the two of them are better just the way it all comes together and it is that continuing storyline gives him the number one spot and maybe he's more like a Rafik Aziz in that he's organizing an extremist network he has the ideals a true zealot like a very deep zealot fully motivated and driven and at the same time he can plan some badass ops and get involved in things on the ground so Halabi is one of those great characters kind of like Vince's Rafikazis for me so 
there it is. All right, that's that's it. We you did had some it. good questions for me. I like that. Yeah, you, you should uh, come up with a little uh, little social post with our with our top five things, so we can we can post with this. That'd be fun. Yeah, good idea, good idea. You know, we'll get uh, Mark Harris's top five. We'll always count on that. <laughs> of course, of course, we love it. And for our patrons, we'll be giving you our what'd you call it? Sinister Six. Sinister Hateful Six. Eight. Yeah. All right. Slovenly Seven. Yeah, I don't know. That doesn't. <laughs> All right. So next week we will be coming to you with uh, don't don't know yet. But it'll be something like this. Uh, we haven't quite decided. We're, we're going to be giving you a series of these one-off pods, themes about the whole book series as a whole, maybe focusing on Kyle, focusing on Vince. But yeah, you know, just keep, keep we'll keep you posted on, on what, the, what that'll be in the future. You know what we might have by then? Yeah, we might have the whole title of Rap 21. We might have to, as we wrap up this pod, we might have to start gearing up towards the road to... Rap 21 with some prep episodes, maybe predictions, what we think's coming. And I also thought, what about a little fantasy draft? We draft different players, different names. Say we each get three to five characters. And then however often they come up in the next book or things they do in the next book can earn us points. Uh, A kill gets you points. A touch, or a hug, or, or intimacy gets you points, or drops an f bomb, or, or or a curse word gets you points, and we'll do a little fantasy game, getting ready for the next book to come. Oh, that's a good idea. That, that's a good idea. And the road to Rap Twenty One, I like that. I like Kill that. with an improvised weapon, you know, gets you points. There you go. We'll we'll lay it all out. We'll lay it all. Out. All right, guys, we hope you enjoyed that podcast. Next week, we're going to be coming to you with uh, some character studies. Um, I think we're going to be diving into some secondary characters, maybe a bunch, maybe maybe some specific ones. We haven't really ironed that out yet, but just know it'll be a character analysis. We need to thank our patrons, including our special operator, Sherry F., our special, special agents, George, Matt, Don, Dennis, Peggy, Catherine, Ray, Bridget, Jeff, and Mark. Please subscribe, rate, and review using your favorite podcasting platform. You can find us at MitchRapPod.com or on Twitter and Insta at MitchRapPod. And as always, just let Mitch be Mitch. Just a disclaimer, this podcast is not affiliated with Vince Flynn, Kyle Mills, or Simon & Schuster. But thank you to them for bringing us the wonderful world of rap. And the music soundtrack is Guerrilla Tactics by Raphael Crooks.